Continuing in our series, uh, wow, but the greatest of these is. Uh, I was telling Stephanie the other day, so many times we just casually read through this passage, don't we? How many times have we read through 1 Corinthians 13 and just picked out different bits and pieces of it? But man, when you begin to break it down like we have been breaking it down, wow, it gets, it's stepping on our toes. I think God's breaking our toes too, as uh, Cheryl alluded to earlier. Thus far we have seen that love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. Love is not proud or rude. Next up this morning, get ready, uh, buckle your belts. Love does not demand its own way. Love does not demand its own way. Love does not insist upon its own rights. It's amazing how people, and some people, view their rights. I read a couple of stories. One day a man named Edward Brewer snuck into a hospital named Providence Hospital. I don't know where it's at, but he snuck into a hospital. He obviously had an axe to grind, um, but he snuck into a hospital and attacked one of the patients in there. Just out of the blue. He was charged with assault, but he ended up suing the hospital. Why? Because he claimed that the hospital was negligent because it did not prevent him from assaulting the patient. Is that not amazing? Consequently, the charges were dropped. I read of another story, a record company named RIAA Records. They sued a woman named Gertrude Walton. They claimed that she illegally pirated or illegally downloaded 700 of their songs. Walton's daughter claimed that her 83-year-old mother could not have done this for two reasons. Number one, she did not own a computer, and number two, she was dead. (laughs) They tried suing anyways. The charges were dropped. As is the case with jealousy, there are typically two kinds of people. Those who always insist upon their privileges and those who always remember their responsibilities. Those who are always demanding what they believe are their rights and what life owes them and those who never forget what life, what they owe life. This, this too can be a very difficult thing for us because it speaks to the core of, of who and what we are and what we can be and that is Selfish. If we're all honest with ourselves, we can all have times to where we can be selfish. Deep down, we can all be that way. We can all demand that we have what we believe is rightfully ours. Many who live like this can even come off petty or childish at times. And they tend to love and give conditionally. There are times when, yes, we need to take a stand for what is right in our life. I, ha- I get that. But as imitators of Jesus Christ, we must be very careful, though. And let me remind you and let me remind me that when it comes right down to it, we have no rights. Do we? 
I didn't think I'd get too many amens on that. We have no rights. You've heard that said, you've heard that preached, you've heard that taught. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we have no rights. Our rights are buried in the person of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when you're dead and you're crucified, there's nothing, you know, I I don't know of any uh, corpse that is able to get up off the gurney and do things on its own. You're crucified with Christ. Philippians 2, 5 and 8, we mentioned this a few weeks ago. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You notice that word in there? There's a word in there that says that he took up the position of a slave. A slave has no rights. They can't go off on their own and do what they want. A servant lives under the rule and the authority of its Lord and its master. However, there is just one big difference between a slave or a servant from years gone by to what Jesus is talking about. You and I have a choice. You and I have a choice whether or not we are indeed going to be slaves and servants to Jesus Christ or if we are going to demand our own way, if we're going to demand our own rights. And man, is that hard at times. We're an American. We have various rights and privileges. We do. We thank the Lord for the country that he has allowed us to be born into and to live in. We don't take that for granted. Men and women have lost their lives and men and women have given of their lives and their time so that you and I could have rights and freedoms. But in Jesus Christ, our rights are buried in him. He's the one that tells us how to act and react. He's the one that tells us what we are allowed to do and what we can't do. How many times do we see Jesus accused, yet he did not open his mouth? In Matthew 26, when he was brought before Caiaphas and the high priest, it says this, Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward and they said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to put in it, to put it in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. Isaiah 53, 7, prophesying of that event, said he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. 
Jesus could have stood up for himself, but he didn't. Why? Love. Love does not demand its own way. Oh, I've not said that I've perfected this yet. Have you perfected this yet? Love. Jesus did this for us. He loved us. And this is what Paul was trying to communicate in 1 Corinthians 13, that the same love that flows through us, the same love that was given to us, is the same love that must flow out of us. And that we must be people characterized by not demanding our own way, but loving as He loved. Love does not demand its own way. Next, I'm probably going to hit on something here with all of you. Say amen or ouch, love is not irritable. How many of you came to church today irritable? Don't raise your hands, I'm just just joking. (laughs) Love is not irritable. Um, I looked at some of the other translations in this passage, and it also says this. It says, love is not provoked, nor overly sensitive. Love is not easily angered or resentful or touchy. What is meant here is that real love, Christ's love, never becomes exasperated with people. Some of you are saying, are you kidding me, Pastor Brock? Are you serious? We can become exasperated with people all the time, can't we? I know it sounds impossible, but if we're honest with each other, we would have to admit that at times we all get irritable, right? Yes, we all do. But the question that needs to be asked is why are we easily angered or why are we overly sensitive? Why does it seem that it takes nothing to set us off? More than likely, it's not something or someone externally. Now, hear me out on this. More than likely, it's not something or someone externally, but internally. Look in the mirror, right? Some of you are saying, Pastor Brock, what do you mean by that? Look, it's one thing to be irritable on occasion. Some of that's our humanity. Uh, Maybe you don't feel well. Maybe it's the weaknesses of the flesh, of, of these earthen vessels. I get that. That's at times will take place. But what I'm talking about here is living in a state where it seems as though we are constantly irritable, constantly on edge, constantly touchy. More than likely, the issue is not something or someone external. More than likely, it's internal. It's probably us. As we talked about in the past, could be that we don't like what we see in the mirror. Maybe there's a troubling situation in our lives that we're not dealing with very well and it's coming out, it's spilling out. (laughs) In an opposite way, as Cheryl showed us this morning, sometimes our balloons just bust and it comes out and we ended up hurting those that we love the most. We're just touchy, we're overly sensitive. What is causing that? Most of the time it's just eating us alive. And we know this is not reflecting the love of Jesus Christ. Now look, I could go to scriptures. I could take you to places today that talks about how we need to be kind, how we need to be gentle. But I don't think that that 
would really help in this situation because that's only putting a band-aid on the situation. What someone here this morning may need to do is get to the heart of the problem. You may need to get to the root cause of what is taking place here. What is causing you to be less than friendly and allow God to begin dealing with what it is. I believe right now there may be someone in here you've already identified what that issue is in your life. The Lord has already identified that problem area in your life that's been nagging at you for quite some time and it's causing you to just be irritable. Do you know that Philippians 4 lists simple yet profound principles and if you will live by these principles. If you and I, hear me, if you and I will die daily, the Word of God tells us that, we've been talking about that, we are told to die daily. If we will die daily to these principles, I believe that you will notice a complete change in your demeanor. You'll find that you're kinder, you're sweeter, you're gentler, and you're overall in a better mood. And as a matter of fact, I don't know that you're the one that will notice it first, but your spouse might notice it first. Your co-workers might notice it. Your friends, your families are going to say, hey, there's something different about you. Philippians 4, let's just read this verse. Be anxious for nothing. If you're irritable this morning and you're identifying something in your life that's making you like this, perhaps this will help. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. Let me just take a second and break this down. Be anxious for nothing. When I get to heaven, I want to ask God, why did you put that there? Are you serious? You really meant for us not to worry, not to be anxious for anything. Really? By that time, it won't matter, will it? Be anxious for nothing. Wow. I haven't perfected that either myself. But whatever it is that's irritating you or whatever it is that's worrying you or causing you to be touchy or sensitive, stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Give it to God. Just do it. Now you're saying, but pastor, you make it sound so easy. It's not that easy. If you continue with these steps, it will become easier. Make the decision with your head, and then your heart will begin to stop dwelling on it. Be anxious for nothing. Next it tells us, take it to God in prayer and supplication. We all understand what prayer is, but have you ever asked yourself, what does it mean, that word supplication? What does the word supplication mean? Supplication means to ask something humbly and earnestly. Ask something humbly and earnestly. So as we are approaching God, now we know that our attitude should be broken, should be humble, filled with humility, but also earnest. God knows our heart. Pour it out to Him. But as you're pouring out to Him, give it to Him as well. Let Him, have, let him worry about it. Let Him take the anxiety out of the situation. And then lastly, Thank the Lord. That is a key part in this. Thank the Lord that He has heard you and you know that He will answer in His way and in His time. Amen? In His way and in His time. Now just think about that. Three simple things there. If we do it, 
God will begin to lift our spirits. Be anxious for nothing. Give it to God. Humbly. Earnestly. And thank you. You have the ability to do that. I have the ability to do that. It's up to us whether or not we do that. It's amazing. And I guarantee you one of two things, or two things will happen to you. Number one, as you were doing this, do this wash, rinse cycle every day if you have to. But as you do this more and more, number one, what will happen is God will begin to reveal himself to you in ways that you never heard before. He will begin to reveal himself to you and, and show you things that you need to be doing to help the situation or just be still. Don't do anything. Let me work it out. But what I love is what happens in verse 7. If we do this, look what verse 7 says will happen to us. And the peace of God, which transcends, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Is that not what we want? Do we not want peace? Do we not want contentment? Do we want, not want to be able to lay our heads on our pillow at night and do that? Love is not irritable. Do that. Praise the Lord. Lastly, for this morning, oh, hold on to this. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I want to tell you a story that some of you may have heard before, but there was a man and a woman who had been married for more than 60 years. They had shared everything. They had talked about everything. They kept no secrets from each other except that the wife had a shoebox in the top of her closet that she had cautioned her husband to never open and never ask about. Obviously, the husband was very curious, but he honored his wife's wishes and did not touch the box. But one day, his wife got very sick, and the doctor said that she was not going to recover. In trying to sort out their affairs, the husband took down the shoebox, took it to his wife's bedside, and asked her about it. She agreed that it was time he knew what was in the box. When he opened it, he found two crocheted dolls and a stack of money totaling $95,000. He asked her about the contents, and she said, quote, When we were to be married, my grandmother told me the secret of a happy marriage was to never argue and never hold a grudge. She told me if I ever got angry or was tempted to hold a grudge against you that I should just keep quiet and crochet a doll. The little old man was so moved he had to fight back tears. Only two precious dolls were in the box. She had only been angry with him two times in all of those years of living and loving. He almost burst with happiness. Honey, he said, that explains the doll, but what about all that money? Where did it come from? She says, oh, it's the money that I made selling all the dolls. 
<laughs> Love keeps no record of wrongs. Another interpretation, I like this. Now, now follow me with this. Another interpretation says, Love does not store up. Love does not store up. Love does not store up the memory of any wrong it has received. Here again, a very difficult thing to do because as humans, we may be able to forgive, but it's very difficult to forget, right? The Greek word used to translate store up, that Greek word is more of an accountant's word, someone who is a CPA, someone who works in the accounting field. It is a word used when an accountant enters an item or an amount into a ledger, into an accountant's ledger. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an idea that tells us that we're going to write everything down in this book so that we will not forget. But is this not precisely what so many people do today? They've been hurt. They've been abused, mistreated, injured. And some can never totally get over the ordeal because their ordeal has gone on for years and they keep rehearsing it in their mind over and over and over again. How many unjust acts or deeds stay locked up inside one's heart and mind? Never to let go, never to forgive, never to get victory, even if one desires reconciliation. To hold on to pain and hurt is not Christ's love. Remember, this chapter is talking about love is, not your love, not a human love. We do not have it in and of ourselves. Oh, we can take attempts, we can make stabs to try and help the situation and you know, we, we may be able to do some things that look good and feel good, but after a while, it's just going to come back in and we're just going to go back to acting like, like humans act. This has to be a divine love. It has to be the love that Jesus died on the cross to give to us. You can't do any of these things. You can't be patient. You can't be kind. You cannot not be jealous. You cannot not be proud unless the love of Jesus Christ, the divine love, grace, Grace's divine influence. If you haven't experienced it, you can't. Ex- you, if you haven't experienced it from God, you're not going to experience it. Nor will you be able to give it to other people. Just won't happen. Just won't happen. To hold on to things, to keep a ledger in our heart and in our mind, is not the love of Christ. I was thinking about this when Jesus was hanging on the cross, and He said, "Father, forgive them." Most of my life, I have thought that to mean, or that Jesus was meaning, God, or Father, forgive those who have nailed me on the cross. Forgive those Roman soldiers who have beat me and mistreated me, have put the nails in my hands and my feet. Forgive them, Lord. Forgive uh, uh, the Jews who falsely accused me. And I believe that is also a true interpretation. But then I got to thinking, what drove Jesus to the cross? Your sin and my sin. And I very well believe that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, He also, when He said, Father, forgive them, He was talking about you. He was talking about me. 
Forgive them. They don't really understand what they're doing. You see, for it was your sin and my sin that Jesus walked down the Villa Dolorosa. Yet as he hung there, he kept no record of our wrongs, but instead he paid the price for our wrongs, for our sin. He paid the price for our transgressions. He canceled out the amount due in our ledgers of life. Many seem to nurse their anger and just let it simmer and just keep at a low boil, brooding over their wrongs until it's impossible to forget them. But I believe that through Christ's love, as He forgave us, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Through Christ's love, one can learn even to forget. Yes, I said forget. I end with the story this morning. In 2001, there were some towns in India who were stricken by a plague of monkeys. Sounds funny, doesn't it? They were overrun with monkeys in the villages. There were so many monkeys and they were just bold in uh, what they were doing. They would invade the homes, they would bite people, they would make off with food. And it was agreed that the monkeys would have to be caught and be relocated. So the people in these towns resorted to a traditional method of catching the monkeys. They gathered old milk bottles and they tied them to the ground, and then they placed something sweet in the old milk jar. Something sweet like a piece of a cookie or something like that. And when the monkeys came along and saw the piece of cookie inside, they would place their hand inside the milk bottle in order to get that piece of cookie. But what the monkey did not realize that as their fist clutched the sweet cookie, their hand became too big to get back out of the bottle. The monkey would pull and push in an effort to get the cookie out, but he would not let go, even though he knew his captors captors were coming. So the monkeys were caught, literally with their hands in the cookie jar. What's the more? What's the moral of the story? Folks, the longer we clutch and hold on to the wrongs of our past, as long as we hold on to our painful memories of the past, it will hold on to us. And it will destroy us. Listen, Jesus can help. There is help. There is hope. Praise God, right? There is hope this morning if we again die to ourselves. Allow God to give us victory over whatever or whoever it is that has hurt us. We can wipe the pleasure clean from our hearts. Never be tormented. Never tormented anymore. Through Jesus' forgiveness, those have to have a hold on us. They no longer have to haunt us or torment us.
And since we've been forgiven, God can help us forgive and in time even forget. Love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm through this morning. Mandy, whatever song you've picked, if you'll come up at this time. Wow, this is a tough chapter. Yikes. And the greatest of these is love. Do you bow your heads, please? Lord, thank you that you provided a way so that we can live above the fray. We don't have to live as the world lives, Father, but we can have victory. Lord, love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Father, I can't help but believe there's at least one person or maybe a, more than one that's dealing with something. They know, they know. Not only have they been fighting something and it's just been killing them inside, it's also causing them to act not in a Christ-like way. God, they want to be free. They want to be loosed from whatever it is that has been holding on to them. Maybe it's memories of past wrongs, past hurts. Maybe it's something that's going on right now that's causing someone just to be irritable. God, we're yours this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. May we be obedient to you. For it's only through total obedience will we get total freedom and total peace in our life. Thank you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you?